never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. This week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that wonders what Hill Valley will look like post-2020. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. Um, good morning, actually. Uh, we're recording yeah. We're recording at a much different time than we usually do. Uh, I had stuff with work, and it's just going to run a little later, so we decided to do a Saturday morning record, which is completely unnatural for us. Um, yeah, I- I feel like I'm in detention right now. You know what's weird? <laughs> what's weird is I am not a morning person by any stretch of the means, and um, I always feel like I get up a little bit early every day just to get myself ready to be with deal with people. <laughs> um, yeah. To put on an effort for them, so I'm not an asshole. <laughs> and believe yeah. me, when it comes to the mornings, I'm the first one to admit that that's the kind of person I am. Um, so I feel like I'm. <laughs> I'm not. I don't feel like I'm putting on an effort because I'm doing something fun. So. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I'm not a morning person at all. Um, You bringing it up, it reminds me of this funny exchange I had at an old job where uh, we were talking about it and somebody said, like, oh, yeah, I heard that the people who aren't morning people are actually more intelligent. And I was like, yeah, that's that's a weird theory. Why do you think that would be? And the person said, because you're a freaking idiot if you want to get up at 6 (laughs) a.m. Which I thought was pretty funny. That is funny. Um, Yeah. yeah, that's really. But honestly, no offense if our listeners are actually morning people. <laughs> I don't think it proves anything either way, but uh, keep going. Um, yeah, no, that's yeah, uh, that's really all I got. It's like I said, it's the morning, so like I'm with it. I prepped the show and made my show notes and got the stories all set for news. By the way, we have a lot of news. Um, oh, okay, nice. I was actually surprised, and I was like, wow, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um. So some of these we'll try and not take forever on. Um, so, yeah. Uh, there's one of them I'm actually, like, really concerned about, to be completely honest. So, yeah. All right. Um, let's, uh, uh, why don't we cover what we're watching, man? Watching, reading, that kind of stuff. What are we up to? Like, are we being productive and not watching television? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, well, actually, I, I've still been productive. I've been working on this comic project that I've mentioned before, so... I'll have more details about that soon, or eventually we'll see, we'll see what happens. But um, right. otherwise, I've been watching a couple different uh, Netflix series um, that I wanted to mention really quick. So I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I really enjoyed The Stranger um, yeah. on Netflix. And uh, the, the guy who wrote that book and or show, I'm not really sure, uh, is named Harlan Corbin. And I guess he's got like a deal with Netflix because there's like five or six other series that he's written that's on there, so I thought I'd give a couple other ones a try. Um, he did the series called The Five, which I started watching, but I kind of wasn't enjoying as much as I did The Stranger, so I kind of let that one go, and I started watching this other series called Safe, 
which is really good, um, that I've actually been enjoying a lot. That's uh, It stars uh, Michael C. Clark, I, feel, I think his name is, who's, who played uh, Dexter. And it's, um, it's another sort of, uh, you know, mystery show, like, it's about these people who live in a gated community and like his daughter goes missing and just kind of the cool mystery behind that. So I've been enjoying that one a lot. Um, I don't have too much to say about it necessarily besides just going through plot points. So, uh, no need to go there, I guess. Um, the other one that I've kind of been watching passively, which I think you've mentioned in the past is, uh, dead to me. Yeah, yeah, the new season. Have you watched the new season yet? So it just dropped. I have not gotten a chance to get to it because um, it was kind of like I I was scrolling through the 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 social medias and I was like, "Wow, look at that! Dead Tommy's out!" And then I was like, "Shoot, I got too much going on right now." (laughs) So, (laughs) um, and it's weird to say in in a world of stay at home, we have too much going on. But yeah, I've been busy so. This is a series that um, I haven't watched every episode. It's one of those shows that, like, my wife started watching, and I think she was watching it while I was at work, so I couldn't really keep up with her. So I kind of have been watching, like, every few episodes. Like, I'll walk in the room, watch a couple episodes, (laughs) and then, like, walk out and do something else. And it's one of those shows that I know I'm missing details, but it's also one of those shows that I can usually kind of catch up pretty easily and kind of glean what uh is exactly is going on but overall i'm like thinking it's some really good drama and stuff um we're actually almost done with the seventh or what's up so you're almost done with the second season yeah yeah and the second season i do think it goes a little bit um it has some like kind of it kind of becomes tropey in certain ways that are a little ridiculous because they want to keep the story going oh okay and so there's a little, and, and I think you'll see that, um, and it's it's something where I'm still enjoying it, even though I know they've made a couple choices that are maybe not super believable, but they're keeping the story going, and that's what everybody wants to see happen anyways, so if you can let that go, I think the second season's been pretty good so far, but like I said, I've kind of been watching it pretty passively, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it does. Um yeah, what else, man? Um, oh yeah, the last one. I'm I just to mention sorry. I didn't want to stop. Uh, sorry, I didn't want to talk. Stop talking about Dead to Me, but I haven't watched the show yet, so I'm just <laughs> like, enough. I like what you're saying. I'm excited to watch it. So, <laughs> but Absolutely. yeah, um, what else you got? Oh yeah, the other one I wanted to mention really quick is uh, the show Hollywood that's on Netflix. That is about um, the golden age of Hollywood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It's, uh, that's it's the really. That's the Darren that? Chris. That's the Darren Chris show, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's I'm enjoying this one because it's so it's kind of funny because like one of the actor one of the characters in the show is an you know he plays an actor trying to make it in Hollywood and uh, we were talking to a family member about this show and talking about like because this show really focuses on like the seedy underbelly of Hollywood so to speak and uh, we were talking about this show and the person we were talking to mentioned this actor this character from the show by name is like, Oh yeah, this is a Hollywood actor who is doing whatever, whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay. The show is based on real people <laughs> because I just thought they were like fictional actors, you know, but they're actually like, it's actually like a historical fiction, I yeah. guess. So like all the characters in the show, as far as I know, are like real people and uh, based on real events and stuff like that. And I just think it's, uh, it's super like, for mature audiences like this is a very nsfw show 
it really focuses on the seedy underbelly of Hollywood, um, but it's pretty interesting so far. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I think part of me, because I get, uh, I get kind of interested in sort of the like, uh, I don't know if you want to say conspiracy theories or like the sort of, uh, you know, what are like the people in Hollywood doing behind closed doors and this like focuses on that. And like, I think just because I get fascinated with that, I just find the show really interesting so far. So that's a good one. Just keep in mind, like very mature for sure. So that was, that was kind of on my list to check out. Is it funny? Cause I looked, I couldn't tell if it was more of a drama or a comedy or what it was. So it's, um, it's a, there's a balance. So it's not, it's definitely not an outright comedy, but there's funny, parts of the show and characters get into funny situations but overall it's a drama but it's not like at least so far which i'm only a couple episodes in it's not like super intense drama it's more just kind of like the story of like these actual things that happened and there's some uh some shady shady business going on and stuff like sure sure okay um and that's about it for me how about you well um first off uh did you see you did you watch the Parks and Rec uh, special that they did? Um, no, I. Did, I think uh, we, I think my wife was watching it, and I caught like maybe a little bit of it, but I didn't really. I, was say, watch I couldn't. It. I um, couldn't remember if we talked about this last week. Um, it was really good how the, or at least we talked about how they were going to do it, and then they. Uh, um. Oh no, we were. Like we talked about it. We just didn't know. How yeah, 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 yeah. Because they were. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting my weeks mixed up. That's the thing. Recording on Saturday. <laughs> recording yeah. on Saturday mornings. Um, clearly, we're not a morning show. Um, no, Parks and Rec. Uh, they did there. We talked last week how they were going to do it, um, but they were airing it while we were recording. So I had to like DVR it and go back. Um, mm-hmm. They did a really cool. Uh, they did like a. They did like the first half hour was like a look back at the show, kind of like a retrospective behind the scenes. Like it's been five years since the show went off the air. Like touch back with the cast and stuff, and then they did the special, and the whole thing was done like. So it was like, we're doing like a phone tree, like, hey, you need to call this person to call this person to like just conference everyone in and uh, check in on everybody with the quarantine going on and stuff. And it was, it was really funny. Um, uh, John Raffio had a piece in it and like, it just the whole, they, they really drew in what they really needed to do. And it was basically just ultimately an episode just done in a virtual sense. So, um, yeah, it was good. So. Yeah, I heard, um, I've heard a little bit about this one. I heard they, uh, put the episode together in a week, which, uh, sounds kind of interesting. Like, kind of just, like, they wrote the show really quick, and everybody got on board, and they just put it together, which is really cool to see, uh, nowadays. And then I've also heard they had some creative ways to explain how, um, kind of like how, like, Andy and April like live together at this point but they're socially distancing so they're skyping in from different computers like i thought i heard they had like some pretty creative explanations for that sort of thing yeah yeah they did it ultimately it was just really cool how they like put it all together i was just i was really impressed with it and i liked how everyone you could tell that they were wearing makeup because they have to wear makeup because it's a television show so you have to look good for the camera but they made it look like they were all not wearing makeup (laughs) Right. Uh, so that it looked like they've been in their houses for like a really long time and haven't showered and like that kind of thing. Like, so it was funny. It, this, that, the whole thing is kind of, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, sure. but the whole thing's kind of making me wonder, are we going to see more shows like this? And is there going to be almost this sort of 
coronavirus like Skype genre that's born where it's you know socially distanced like entertainment like that I um, I wouldn't be shocked and, <laughs> and the whole thing's reminding me of did you ever see the movie Unfriended it's uh, like a horror movie I did not see it um, I remember seeing I remember right? seeing the preview but I know what it, I just know what it is yeah it's like a horror movie about a bunch of teenagers who are all on a Skype call at the same time and the whole time you see everything through the lens of this one girl's computer. So you see as like, I think it was a killer, but it might have been something supernatural. I can't remember. But you see as like her friends get picked off on their Skype screens. And like you could totally do a horror movie. You know, that could be like a whole genre now, like socially distanced horror movies or sure. something like that. Um, I will say, sorry this is a tangent but uh unfriended i didn't think was that good because there's something where when you're separated from the horror that's supposed to go on like if you see somebody get killed on a computer screen at like a house across town the the fear isn't as immediate like the threat isn't immediate so there is that separation which i thought was pretty ineffective so i'm actually not a fan of that movie it's just kind of a thought that i was uh, thinking about right now so mm, all right um, <laughs> Anyways, keep going. Well, anyway, um, I watched uh, the. I finally finished watching Community. Um, okay. The reason I bring this up is because it. Uh, the I've never seen the finale of Community, the entire the final episode, and uh, it was really, really, really clever in a very Community way. Like if you when I I say that, and if you've watched the show, you know what I mean by that statement. Um, but in a general sense, like it was kind of like they were just cause Abed in his brain always talks about how it's a, um, the, the life they lead, the, the lives they're living in is actually part of a TV show. And, um, it, it's comes up a lot in the course of the show. So when they get to the season, the series finale and they're all just hanging out and someone says something like, what, what do you think next season's going to be? And they're all, and Jeff's like, it's not a season, it's next year. We don't live in a TV show. And he's like, no. We, it, <laughs> so they start, so he's like, I don't know if we'll be back next year. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, and he's like, some character, he's like, you know, we've had some change in cast members and like, <laughs> just makes like cast members in terms of people in their lives. Yeah. And, um. <laughs> And then they start, and then they kind of go around the table, and they all give their pitch for the next season. And every time they do their pitch, it starts the show over. Um, okay. And it's yeah. and and you technically watch the theme song again, and then you see like this little clip clip of what that person thinks the show will be, and then you get to watch, and then they argue about it, and then you see the theme song again, so you get to see the next pitch and the next pitch. It was just a really clever way of doing it. Um, so yeah, it was just a good episode. Nice. Um, I. I'll get to that one in a minute. Um, my Baby Yoda Black Series figure has arrived. Okay, cool. Um, the, uh, in terms of me collecting the Star Wars Black Series figure, I got the bug for that bad. So, like, that's specifically what I... That's the one, so like, toy I collect. Is this, is this a six-inch figure? So, <laughs> I was really curious <laughs> as to how this was going to look. So, <laughs> the... You have to understand. So, if you don't collect the Star Wars Black Series figures, these are really... Um, De- hyper detailed, hyper articulate uh, Star Wars toys that um, like the collectors kind of like go ape shit over them and like people are like really buying them up and they're really like you go on, you actually have to go on a toy hunt to find them and um, so I've been collecting them and I have a pretty decent collection but uh, 
the Baby Yoda was announced that they were doing a Baby Yoda Black Series for the Black Series line. And I was like, is it going to be a six-inch Baby Yoda? Because that's kind of cool. I was really curious how it was going to work. So you got to understand, a standard figure like a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, they're six inches tall. So yeah. I have the Mandalorian figure who is six inches. Um, mm -hmm. The Baby Yoda Black Series is to scale to the six-inch figures. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so the package that he comes in fits in the palm of my hand. Oh, okay. Like, legitimately fits in the palm of my hand. It's really tiny. <laughs> and then if you've seen The Mandalorian when Baby Yoda eats the little, like, frog creature, um, he comes with that frog creature, and that is really tiny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, and he comes with the little cup that he drinks out of, too. So, um, I just, it's, it's adorable. Um, so and, I guess what I was picturing is he would come with his sort of like floating crib, whatever you want to call it, that he's in. That'll be a that'll be a deluxe like, figure in the next year that everyone will have to get to. <laughs> that's crazy though, because he's. So, uh, I guess I was figuring it would be the same size packaging as all the other all the other figures, and even though Baby Yoda is so tiny, he is gonna come with enough accessories that it like makes up for it. Um, oh yeah, no, this is this is Baby Yoda. By himself with a little frog and a little cup, and he's in a package <laughs> that fits in the palm of my hand. Uh, nice. Okay, that's that's interesting. <laughs> it's it's really funny. It's really cute. It's adorable. Um, and I don't know how it's gonna fit on my shelf. Um, I haven't decided where it's gonna go yet because it's the only one. It's it's just an odd sized packaging because they're all like yeah. uniform and like. <laughs> yep, so. Yeah. That's that's how I was thinking about it too. And it makes me wonder how many people like pre-ordered that just because they wanted to see how it was going to work. <laughs> I think they, I think the collectors all pre-ordered it because it's baby Yoda and it, oh, everyone's sure, going yeah. ape shit over baby Yoda. Um, all right. So collecting stuff aside, I watched, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, how was that? Um, really, really funny. Um, nice. I would say that this is Jim Carrey back at his like nineties level comedy for Jim Carrey. Um, even oh, wow. though, even though he plays a villain, it's, he's really funny in it. Um, nice. because Sonic is voiced by Ben Schwartz, um, really, really funny. The soundtrack is awesome. Like when I say soundtrack, I'm not talking like the score because I'm a big instrumental score guy, but this is like one of the soundtrack kind of like, uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Good soundtrack, yeah. a lot of good songs in there. Same kind of thing. Um, was it's, there uh, it's, Gangster's Paradise in it? I don't think so. No, these were all this, these all just seemed to be new songs. Like I'd never heard them. Oh, cool. So well, it's the, just the, it was just a first, good soundtrack. The first Sonic uh, trailer, uh, they had Gangster's Paradise as the background song, and everybody online was just very confused. Oh. <laughs> it's like. Why did they pick Gangster's Paradise? Right. Like, I'm right. so confused. No, the movie, the movie was really funny. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun, and that's the best okay, way. Cool. That's the best way of putting it. It's just, it was a good, it was a good little like family adventure, and um, it's, it was really funny. So, yeah, and that's, then, um, that's really good and then I will say, stick around for the credits because it's a really cool bonus scene. So, um, it, it's kind of cool because it sounds like they had a good movie from the get go. And because they listened to the fans and uh, changed the, the design, it seems like I've, I haven't heard any bad things about this movie. Like, it seems like overall everybody likes it. And it's kind of cool because they could have, I think if they didn't change the design, 
it wouldn't have played out that way. Like people would have seen it and would have just focused on the negatives and uh, it wouldn't be as celebrated as it is. So it's kind of cool to see uh, fans make a difference in a movie like that and just to see the studio actually listen to people as well. So. Right. Other than that, um, I've been trying to be productive. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine about writing and stuff and kind of lit a fire under my ass and I got, I've been writing a chunk and trying to get back into that. So to that person, yeah. So that, so thank you to that person for, you know, lighting a fire under my ass a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, I'm teaching that Dungeons and Dragons class for the park district online. That's been kind of fun to do. Um, the feedback we're getting is we need to do more than one day a week, which is awesome. <laughs> so, cool. uh, see if we can maybe swing that cause they're really enjoying the class. And cause like we did character creation for one session. Um, so literally I took one session to just help them create their characters so they understand all that stuff. And then the second session, it was kind of like, this is how the game functions. These are rules. This is how this works. This is how combat works. So we did a couple practice encounters with combat. Um, and then I was like, for the next session, we're going to actually like start an adventure and legit play. So, um, yeah, they're just loving it. Nice. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's about me just trying to be productive and stuff. So you want to, uh, go over some news? Yeah, sounds good. Sweet. Um, first story, did you see, uh, did you hear about the giant hornets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. We have giant hornets in 2020. Like, why not? Um, the 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 thing I saw, which was really funny, it was just said um, Asian giant hornets invading Washington State um, pose numerous <laughs> pose numerous threats to U.S. And then it says, "Congratulations, uh, you made it to May. Welcome to level four of Jumanji." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, which I which I loved. I'm like, that's fantastic. The uh, what really made me laugh about that is just. Uh, did you heard about the Simpsons technically predicting that, right? No, there's I, a, I'm, this it doesn't surprise me either. There's an no. episode. There's an episode of the Simpsons where there was a sickness going around, and they were, um, and they were like storming the Capitol, like demanding a cure. And one of the guys, like, he goes, "I got the cure right here," or something like that. The way the scene plays out, someone opens the trunk of a car, and all these giant insects come out and start swarming down. <laughs> <laughs> and it you're just like, seems so non sequitur. No, I, <laughs> I know, and it may, and it's just so funny because The Simpsons predicted that too. Um, in the terms of The Simpsons predicting things, I don't know if you've noticed, but on Disney Plus, they actually have a if you go if you search collections, there's actually a collection where they have all The Simpsons predicts episodes together. So if you want to look at all the things that they predicted, you could just watch that grouping of episodes. It's like that a little, is crazy. It's like a little playlist. I thought it was cool. That is that is very cool, but that's that's insane. Um, I've said it before, but uh, I know uh, there's this South Park episode that uh, talks about how The Simpsons has so many episodes that you can't think of an original idea because The Simpsons has already done everything first. <laughs> and it's just because of this massive amount of episodes they have. There's no way you can do something that the Simpsons haven't already done. And I, I think know. that's kind of true. And that's like, just because of how many scenarios they have in that entire series, like they're going to predict some stuff just because of just a massive amount of stuff that has happened in that show. So I know. And it really makes me want to watch and it kind of makes me want to go at, like fire up Disney plus and just 
start watching The Simpsons from the beginning and just run the whole thing. Um, I know that's a lot, but it kind of makes me want to do it. <laughs> um, it it's, it's definitely would be a good, like, sort of thing to just have on, you know, in the background. And, you know, it might take you a couple months to get through, but it's still, like, kind of a cool thing to have, you know. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Sony released the name of their Spider-Man universe. Oh, I didn't hear about this. Yes, and it is a mouthful. Um, <laughs> so we have the DCEU, or the DC Expanded Universe is what they're referred to, and the Marvel MCU, or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, this is going to be called the Spider-Man Universe of Characters. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't really have a lot to say, It just that's a mouthful. So. Yeah, I, I remember they, weren't they, didn't they have something before that was like Sony's, it had something like, we talked about it before, but it was a different name, but it had like Sony, Marvel, <laughs> Spider-Man, and Universe in there. Yeah, it's, like <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think it's I just... was saying it should be called Sony's Marvel Universe, so it could just be the smoo, which is easy to say. I think that's what my conclusion was, but. Yeah. Could, I think I still think that'd be better. Just go with the smooth guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't have much to say about it. I just thought I'm like yeah. that's a lot to say. The Spider-Man universe of characters. Or I'm like, what? Just can we just call it the Spider-Verse? Because we all like that's what it's going to ultimately become. Um. All right. So did did you you did you watch Tiger King? Yeah. <laughs> I okay. don't know if I like. Like, I enjoyed it enough while watching it, but the more time goes by, I don't know how proud I am that I actually spent time watching that My, show. So I have not watched it yet. I know, en yeah. I know enough about it that makes me wonder if I even should. I feel like I'm the only person in the U.S. who has not watched Tiger King. And I just, to me, that is like, I feel like I'm going to watch it and then just be mad at humanity, not because of what goes on in the story in the documentary, but because of, um, because I'm going to be mad that someone felt that this was a story that needed to be told and like someone had to make this thing like that's <laughs> like I that. Think, um, so besides like the show being very, um, <laughs> I guess I could say like rednecky for lack of a better term, but I yeah. think the show does have, like, a true crime angle to it where I do think it is good that the show came out because it is exposing... Because there is, like, criminal activities in the show that it... The show actually did a good job of exposing and actually some of the... Or one of the cases specifically that, uh, based around a crime in the show, um, is actually being reopened because of the show. So it's actually, like, kind of good that it exists, but, um... I do know what you mean, um, and it's one of those things where when the self-quarantine started, everybody was just, I think, so depressed and just needed something to watch, and Tiger King was there <laughs> to take you away from, like, this horrible stuff going on in the country around you. So I feel like everybody just watched the show as an escape. Since you didn't watch it, like, when it was at its peak you might not get the same thing out of it that everybody else did, though. Yeah, maybe. If that makes sense. Yeah, maybe. Well, the reason I bring it up is because Nicolas Cage has been cast to play Joe Exotic in a scripted <laughs> Tiger's King series. <laughs> I, I actually did hear about okay. this. All right, that's um, cool. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd, I thought that was interesting. So 
it's very funny. I feel like Nicolas Cage is definitely the man for the job. Um, as I was, like, I've seen some different sort of uh, fan casting, like, posts to go around for Tiger King online. And to be honest, when I was watching the show, what it reminded me the most of was, um, uh, you know, the faux documentaries done by the guys who did, like, Spinal Tap or Best in Show or... Uh, you know, like those movies and that crew, I think they could really do justice to the, to the Tiger King story as well. And it's one of those things where I, when I was watching Tiger King, I was seeing those actors in place of characters on the show. So that's kind of just where I wish it was going. But I think Nicolas Cage is definitely good casting. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, it is good casting. I just, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it. So I'm just like, just looking from picture to picture. I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> Makes sense. Um, all right, so moving on. Um, so, do you watch Black Mirror? I've, I haven't, like, watched every episode, but I've watched a handful of them. I really enjoy it. Uh, I just I have sat down and watched it all the way through. Um, same here. I've watched... I've watched... Because it's such an episodic show, I don't feel like I need to see every single episode. So a lot of times... Exactly. So a lot of times the ones that I have watched are the ones that have gotten critically acclaimed or social media buzz or win Emmys, um, that kind of thing. Um, but it's a fantastic show. Um, Black Mirror creator um, uh, Charlie Brooker revealed that uh, they aren't working on scripts for season six right now, saying, at the moment, I don't know what stomach there would be for stories about societies falling apart. Um, saying that Black Mirror right now is just a little too real. Um, and I think that's, I just think that's interesting because we've talked about um, what is going to happen post COVID in a post COVID world. Are we going to see like a whole string of sci fi channel virus films and that kind of stuff? So um, it's had me completely interested. So um, I just thought that was an, like, the, I've been interested in what we're going to get, and then you have the Black Mirror creators going, we don't know what we're going to write right now because of everything happening. So, Yeah, I can see that, but at the same time, like people are just clamoring for new entertainment right now, and like I kind of wish they were just working on new, you know, new, new episodes, because it's just, people want something to watch, and like I know like a lot of things have been really negative, but at the same time, you it's kind of up to the viewer whether they want to watch that show or not, you know? Like, I've been kind of on a bit of a horror kick lately where I've been watching a lot of horror movies, and maybe that's not for every, you know, other people need something to cheer them up, but it's kind of up to the viewer, so. Yeah. I can see where they're coming from, and maybe they don't personally want to write Black Mirror stories right now, and I think that's okay, but at the same time, they're... I'm sure there's tons of people who want to see more of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Um, the Spawn movie. Here's an update from Todd McFarlane. Oh, okay, cool. This made me laugh. Um, Spawn creator Todd McFarlane stated that the 90-minute animated Spawn film, so not the live-action one, this is the animated one, is nearly complete. All that remains is the actual animation process. <laughs> 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 this made That's me really la- this made me laugh so there's really no story but it made me laugh so hard because um he uh he's basically saying we're ready to go <laughs> well so. i i think it makes sense like saying it it sounds so ridiculous but i think it makes sense when you look into the process of making 
an animated film or series because you have to do like like obviously there's the scripts there's the casting like getting the crew together recording all the voices like there's all these steps that need to go and he's basically saying like all of that stuff that you don't see is pretty much done we just need to animate it all which is a big process and it is going to take probably a couple years but he's just kind of saying we're like on the final stretch all we have to do is animate it and it's good to go which you know like i said like at first glance that's such a funny statement (laughs) yeah all right so i got one more uh superhero story for you um so this will make you happy um warner brothers is reportedly looking to focus on a new superman movie instead of supergirl um, this, right. this comes yeah, from the, her- the this comes from the, her- yeah, we all forgot about the Supergirl movie. Um, I would love to see a Supergirl movie, but I'll have, but just like the flash, I'll have issues with it not being Melissa Benoist. So I don't know if I'm ready for a Supergirl movie yet. Um, however, yeah. th- this comes from heroic Hollywood. They're reporting that according to an insider with knowledge of the situation, WB will not be moving forward with standalone Supergirl movie for the time being and will instead focus on what to do with Superman. Given the conflicting nature of rumors stating that the studio will be recasting and Cavill's own statements that the role is still his, it could be some time before this gets sorted out. So yeah, with Cavill saying that the role's still, as far as he's concerned, his role, um, it's and then them saying, well, we don't know what we're doing with Superman yet. I have a feeling they got to figure out if he's going to play Superman going forward. So, um. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he can say that too, but it's also ultimately up to the studio. So if they don't want him to keep playing Superman, he kind of doesn't have the final say in that, unfortunately. Right. Um, I obviously loved Cavill as Superman. Um, I do think Superman, um, just kind of knowing like the other Superman fans that I do, it seems like when an actor plays that character, he's embraced by the fandom for life. Like, people still, Superman fans still love uh, Brandon Routh as Superman, and they really, like, it seems like even, like, Dean Kane, like, people really embrace the fact that he played them. So, Henry Cavill, in, I feel like, in the fans' eyes, still is Superman for the rest of his life. Um, it's just kind of up to them if they're going to actually cast him in that role. Um, I am excited about this because I'm excited to see new Superman stuff. You know, I love the Zack Snyder movies, but ultimately I just want more DC movies and more Superman movies to come out. So this is really cool to hear. Um, the only other thing I'd throw into the bin is I actually think that, uh, I've been seeing online a lot of love for Superman's red trunks, but I actually did like the man of steel and or the uh new 52 style superman where he had more of a belt instead of the trunks i think the trunks look very dated and i think if you go give superman like a red belt or a different design in that area that's thinking towards the future i know it's an unpopular opinion but that's how i feel so hopefully in this movie they don't include the trunks (laughs) yeah right yeah i don't i don't know how uh, the trunks I, I, I do I do love I do like the old school Superman with the trunks, but I think it. What I think what's that, interesting what, is I. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I I, th- I think if you're I think that the only reason people like the trunks now is because they're stuck in the past a little bit. Maybe, and I think that and that's an unpopular opinion. I know, but that's just how I, I, just, I feel on it. I just think the trunks kind of work on the page better than they do in live action. Yeah. 
So, but I do think if, if they were going to do like a retro Superman movie, like, hey, let's do a Superman movie that takes place during World War Two or something. But give him trunks, you know, why not? I just think that like if they're doing something modern or slightly futuristic, I think going without the trunks is a cooler way to go. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we honestly might get some hate for that. I just that's kind of how I feel on it. So. Yeah, I hear you. All right, moving on because we're. I feel like we're dragging a little bit. All right. Um, <laughs> We've gotten better at talking about things. Is the thing. I know that's the thing, and I look at the clock, and I'm like, oh my god, we've been recording for this long, and then, uh, um, I'm like, wow, we need to. I, it's more of a we just need to move along, and I, I feel like I say yeah. that every week, but I also don't want to like make the episodes too long that our listeners are like, man, that episode's too lengthy. Um, yeah. All right. So. Well, they got. They have nothing else to do right now. Yeah. <laughs> Here's an interesting one. There's not much to say. There really isn't, but it's more of a report of... um, I was kind of curious about this anyway, and this got reported. So, um, Disney revealed that its earnings have plummeted 63% due to COVID-19 outbreak, estimating that it has lost $1.4 billion during the pandemic, Um, um, $1 billion uh, from closed theme parks alone. So, this this is a billion just from the parks being closed. Yeah, I mean, um, that doesn't surprise me at all, because, um, I mean, from what I've heard, which I don't know a ton about it, but from what I've heard, Disney, like, the parks is one of Disney's primary ways they make money, so I'm not necessarily surprised by that. Um, well, they, um, here's the thing, we're all strapped for cash during this time, and it's been weird in general for everybody, but yeah. the reason I bring this up is because I've been kind of curious about how the large corporations, like, what have they lost? Um, and I'm not poo-pooing the large corporations. I mean, Disney, what, they spent $4, four uh, billion on um, Star Wars to purchase Lucasfilm, and then they released one movie, and they made $5 billion. So <laughs> they're doing just fine. Yeah. But my point is the fact that I've been kind of curious to see that what's, what's the massive hit these large corporations are taking because they have to keep things shut down. So that's all. It was really more of a, wow, that's interesting kind of a point. I, I, I do want to say, I thought I heard that Disney was going to open one of their overseas parks. Yeah, the uh, Shang- like, I think it's the Shanghai social... Park. What's that? I think it's the Shanghai Park. Okay, yeah, and I think I heard there was going to be socially distanced like guidelines, but they still were going to reopen, which, um, like you said, everybody's strapped for cash, but everybody also wants something to do. So I, I'm kind of curious how it's going to play out. Like when stuff starts to reopen, is there going to be a little bit of boom with people like going to theme parks and stuff, or is everybody going to be very conservative with their money? It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. All right. Um... Let me see here. All right, so let's talk about some Star Wars news real quick. Um, first off, um, so here's all right. So one is a rumor. Uh, usually, when rumors pop up, it's already a thing when it comes to Star Wars because they have to because ha- it's usually not. It usually becomes a rumor after it's already been filmed and put together because they. It's just an issue of how they release stuff. Um, Hayden Christensen is rumored to reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker in the upcoming Kenobi series. This, we reported on a while back that it was a potential rumor. Um, yeah. It was a long time ago that we brought this up. And um, with Hayden Christensen bringing his voice back for Rise of Skywalker, um, we, uh, I just, 
getting Hayden back into Star Wars, I feel like is a thing that was coming anyway. And with Ewan McGregor doing um, the Kenobi series, knowing that we could potentially have, I guarantee he was like, no, 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 I'm not doing this if Hayden doesn't come back. So he, I have a feeling it all kind of, it's all kind of rolled together in one ball, I guess you could say. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a for sure thing coming. Um, I th- yeah, I think that's super good news all around. Like, that yeah. makes me really excited. Yeah. Um, this came out on May the 4th. Um, you know what's funny about our... We did our Star, we did a Star Wars episode where we talked our favorite Star Wars characters. And if I was doing my math right, we would have done it <laughs> one week later because it would have released on May the 4th. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> my bad. Um, but anyway... Okay. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, Taika Waititi will officially be directing and co-writing a Star Wars film with nomi- and Academy Award-nominated screenwriter Christy Carnes um, and a new Star Wars feature film for theatrical release. Um, uh, and uh, Emmy Award winner uh, Leslie Headland will also set to co-write and produce and serve as uh, showrunner for a new untitled Star Wars series in development coming for Disney Plus. So we have a new show coming from Star Wars for Star Wars on Disney Plus, and Taika will be co-writing and directing a new Star Wars film. Um, Taika was Taika directed one of the episodes of The Mandalorian, so um, I'm just excited to see what else he's got. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I heard about directing one of the Mandalorian episodes and I forgot about it. Do you remember which one it was? You know what? And this is something I should have mentioned in our watching category. If you go on Disney Plus right now, they just started that Star that Disney Gallery The Mandalorian series. Yeah. Um, the first episode is all on directing, so it literally just focuses on director to director to director and they cover the um, they cover the process of directing Mandalorian, and they talk to each one individually. Taika's segment is really funny because of how he talks to the camera, and you could tell, if you know his sense of humor, you can tell he's being super sarcastic. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's really, like, because he's like, I've never been to a set this dismal. Like, I'm working in horrible conditions. And, like, you can tell he's joking around. <laughs> yeah. You can tell he's joking around and having the time of his life, and he's just being goofy for the camera. But you just got a nice uh, sense of humor. Um, you can tell which episode he's directing when you're watching that episode. I just, off the top of my head, I don't remember which one it was. Um, okay. but Uh, it's, it's really, um, exciting to see, like, to know he did that and how good that show was. And then to hear he's doing, getting a full feature movie. Um, again, I just want Dave Filoni to get a feature film, but, uh, Taika's super talented and I just, I can't wait. So I think it's good to hear too. Um, I think, like, obviously with Thor Ragnarok, like, he can do a really good uh, space opera-esque, like, sci-fi movie. Um, My only concern is just, like, and not that I don't like Taika's humor in his movies, but I didn't know if it would feel out of place in a Star Wars movie. But then you saying, like, he did direct a Mandalorian episode, like, it kind of proves, like, he can do something in the tone of Star Wars, too. So I think this is really good news overall, even though, like... I did hear about this one, and I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first, but I think, yeah, I feel a lot better about it at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, Taika, uh, in all seriousness, watch that watch that Disney Gallery show. It's really cool. Um, nice. Yeah, really cool. Um, okay. Uh, 
I'm gonna. This is real quick. The trailer for um, Space Force for Netflix has dropped. So go watch it because the show looks hysterical. Um, <laughs> I did see that it dropped. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, so that's uh, that. I sh- yeah, that's that was a real quick. Hey, the trailer's out. Um, okay, one more Star Wars story. This one has me kind of irritated, and okay. um, but I have to just deal with it because all Star Wars is good Star Wars. Um, so I've been. I've been vocal about not liking Boba Fett in the past um, as a character. Now, my thing with Boba Fett is, look, when Boba Fett was originally came out, he looks cool. No one is ever going to argue that, that he doesn't. Boba Fett's got, like, one of the coolest armors. It's Mandalorian armor, all that stuff. But in the movies, Boba Fett really doesn't do anything. For this guy that looks so badass, he doesn't do much. And yeah. his... So all of his fame and, like, him being, like, amazing and all this stuff, it's all predicated on expanded books and comic books and people creating their own, like, fan fictions. And, like, the idea of Boba Fett being awesome is kind of a myth and under and overrated. Um, the reason I bring that up is because when you see, when you finally get introduced to the real Mandalorians in the Clone Wars television show, they make Boba Fett look like a chump. And then when you get introduced to the Mandalorian in The Mandalorian and the other Mandalorians along with him, they make Boba Fett look like a chump too. Like, Boba Fett's kind of a wuss and kind of stupid and doesn't hold a candle to this. Like, it's just like, you you have this big, you have this big famous character that everyone loves for, I think weird i'm like it's his just for it for his for because he looks cool which i get which i agree with but i think boba fett's overrated um don't get me wrong i have a boba fett action figure and all that's like i like boba fett i just think he's overrated but yeah. i think that the real mandalorians from the clone wars from the mandalorian television show they are true badasses and they're awesome compared to boba fett boba fett's nothing um anyway the right. reason the reason i bring this up is because apparently and this is the part that I have a problem with, is Boba Fett died in Return of the Jedi. Uh, Tamira Morrison, who played Jango Fett, will play Boba Fett in The Mandalorian Season 2. Okay. Okay. I mean, it, so, it's the same thing where there was, um, you know, there's books or comics or whatever that explained how he survived right. uh, Return of the Jedi. Though. Right. My my problem with this, my problem with this, now my pro- like, the casting's fine because Boba Fett's a clone, so you want the original guy to play, you want the guy who played Jango Fett to play Boba Fett because Boba Fett's a clone. Yeah. That makes sense. Not a problem there. And I like Tamara Morrison, so great. Let's put him back in. My problem with this is they killed Boba Fett and now we're going to have him in Mandalorian season two, so Boba Fett. Now we have to explain how Boba Fett survived, and is Boba Fett's presence going to overshadow this character who is way better than Boba Fett? Okay. That is my problem. Um, I'm not opposed to Boba Fett being in the Mandalorian. I just I I worry that his overrated fame, over overrated hype, is going to overshadow. Uh, these other Mandalorians, and people will be more focused on that when this other guy is clearly better in all ways. <laughs> so right. that's my well, I, that's my personal issue, and that's all. That is the only issue I have is just I feel like it's an overshadowing. So to me, um, I feel like they did such a good job with the first season of Mandalorian that like I feel like we can at least at this point trust that the 
writers and the whole production crew is going to do a good job with this new season. And like, I don't, I, I, I feel that I trust them that they're not going to let Boba Fett overshadow the Mandalorian. But, um, I, uh, I, one thing I am a little bit worried about is, um, I worry that star Wars is going the way of uh, superhero comics a little bit where, nobody dies you know even that's if you that's another died there's an explanation where it comes back and even though like characters like uh darth maul for example i think the explanation of how he survived episode one i think is so badass like there's some really cool conceptual stuff in there in the explanation of how he survived but there's other characters but um i just don't want it to be where every character comes back you know right in and some that's form. and it, I loved Sorry. the no, you're fine. I, I well, I just wanted to piggyback on the fact. I loved the dark Darth Maul died in episode one because you had this amazing character that died, and then they're gonna be like, oh sweet, you know, like it just it opened the door of like, wow, okay, we're you know we're not banking on this one guy, and I kind of was like, wow, yeah. he'll be the Boba Fett for the prequel trilogy, um, and then later when you look at when they what they did in the Clone Wars, it's amazing and it makes sense and why why not? And it's such good storytelling because it made the character more interesting. I don't necessarily know because we got to see young Boba Fett in the in the in Attack of the Clones. Then we got to see young Boba Fett again in the Clone Wars, and then we got to see Boba Fett in the classic trilogy in chronological order. That's how it lays out. Yeah. Boba Fett to me when you look at how he was as a kid to his, like, later in life to being in the classic trilogy, he didn't get cooler to me at all. Like, I feel like it kind of deteriorated. <laughs> no, I just feel like seeing yeah. the backstory for Boba Fett kind of deteriorated it a little bit. And then yeah. they and then he died, and I'm like, no, leave him dead. Like, it's fine. We have all these other cooler characters right now that we're focused on. So that, that, That's a good point because, like... Like you said, like Darth Maul, like his story just gets cooler as it goes. Like it, it actually enhances his character that he was brought back. And like that is a good point. Like, is that going to be the case with Boba Fett? Like, probably not. I mean, we'll see. No, I mean he yeah. was he was put in, he was sent he was eaten by a creature who digests its food over a thousand years. So, yep. however long Boba Fett was in there, how like mangled is he going to be, and how functioning is he going to be? Like. This could be, it could be, like, weird. So I know they're going to do it smart because Dave Filoni and John Favreau are incredibly brilliant with what they're doing with this show. So yeah. I, I have every faith in their in my mind that they're going to make this a, a awesome, but I just worry that it'll overshadow what's really going on, and I don't want that to happen. So nice. um, that's my, that is honestly my only problem. <laughs> Um, okay, we are way longer than I wanted to be, but one more story, one more story because, one more story because, I know, it's a lot, and I just kept finding, like, god damn it. Um, so, this one's actually amazing. Tom Cruise and Elon Musk are gonna film the first, or, are gonna film a movie in space. Uh, Tom Cruise is reportedly teaming with Elon Musk, SpaceX, and working with NASA to make the first narrative film ever shot in space. And I don't know if it's gonna be a full movie shot in space, or if this is something for the next Mission Impossible film. But um, Tom Cruise doesn't fake it with movies, and that's kind of where you know what I mean. Like that's we don't. He doesn't. He does. He doesn't make movies the way everyone else does. He goes, if we're gonna do this, we're doing this for real. Yep. You know what I mean? So 
um, to hear this, that sounds awesome. So it could be zero G, it could be others, like who knows, but it's gonna be actual space footage. And maybe it'll put to sh um, put quiet some of those uh, flat earth people. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is, this is an incredible story. Like this is really cool. Um, it's one of those things where you, after seeing all the Mission Impossible movies, you have to say like, how does Tom Cruise step it up? Cause he's been doing his own stunts for so long. And it's like, how do you go more ridiculous than some of the stuff he was doing in Mission Impossible Fallout with like the helicopter and stuff like that. And like, this just seems like, this is like kind of an obvious next step as like crazy as it sounds. Um, but I'm also interested cause like Elon Musk is known so much for his techno, uh, tech, technological like, uh, you know, the stuff he's done in that realm, but he is also, like, a huge nerd. Like, if you follow him on Twitter, like, he's a self-proclaimed, like, huge anime fan and stuff, and he obviously appreciates storytelling in general, so it's kind of cool to see him enter this realm as well, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much all I have to say on it, but it's really exciting news. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm really excited because, like I said, Tom Cruise, when he wants to do it, when he wants to do something for a movie he does it and it's like nope we're doing it for real yeah you know um all right that's it for the news are you ready to talk our list yeah let's do that it. that took forever to get there so um <laughs> all right ryan um sorry longer than normal but roll the thing and now for the top five all right peter Ready to talk this list. So this was your pick, so do you want to explain what it was? Oh yeah, I just, uh, I picked another year. Um, we just did 2010, movies from 2010, so I just went 10 more years in the past. Did, uh, 2020, it's kind of like... 20,000? Like, yeah. Not what? 2020? <laughs> Not 2020. <laughs> yeah, two, two, the year 2000, movies that came out in 2000, and I think this is going to be like this almost obligatory thing we have to do every year where we go like 10 years into the past 20 years in the past but i kind of wanted to i've been picking a lot of weird lists for a while so i kind of wanted to do something a little more straightforward um i have some other weird lists that i'm working on for future weeks but um uh the, the good thing since we did talk about news so long is uh a lot of these movies that we'll probably mention we've talked a lot about the show already at this point too so you know we might go through this list pretty fast and i'm not really sure uh yeah i was one some of these i don't know if we've i know on my list there's one movie we've talked about for sure um i don't know okay. on my list if we've talked about basically any of the other ones um so i gotta go first right yeah do you have honorable mentions i have two i can be quick about them okay um I have two as well, so. the uh so my first honorable mention is pitch black um, have you nice. seen, you've seen this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just, it's a really good sci-fi alien film. It's from, it's the first of the, uh, Riddick movies or the Chronicles of Riddick, however you want to word that franchise or that series. It's just, um, it was the first of them. It's, I think it's just a really clever alien film, basically. Um, and it's fairly low budget as where the other ones got, um, a little more high budget, but, um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one, it was just kind of a, it was more of, it's more of an out-of-the-box alien film, um, where just the fact that the aliens only come out in the dark, and they're stuck 
in the dark for however like however long they're stuck and the, the aliens are hunting them and um yeah really it's just a really cool concept with a really cool explanation for things and um it's just a brilliant film overall so yeah and, uh, and the whole uh just to piggyback on there uh the whole like the aliens coming out in the dark um led for a lot of like not only frightening, but kind of like a really cool look to a lot of the scenes in the movie is with, you know, just barely being able to see the aliens and them like barely, you barely being to see like their form and stuff and the whole like high contrast uh, look of it was really cool too, so. Yeah. All right, man. Um, um, so, so I guess I could go with my first honorable mention then? Yeah. I just realized okay. I didn't look something up, but go ahead. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, so I feel like we've talked about this movie before i'm not sure but uh my first one is crouching tiger hidden dragon okay Um, this movie is uh like i said i think we talked about it before and it's like it's a beautiful movie cinematography wise um it's a really cool story um one thing that i want to like mention this movie about this movie specifically is uh i really appreciated how imaginative imaginative it is and how much of a fairy tale it is and how um like, the fight scenes in this movie uh, defy the laws of gravity and the laws of physics. Like, you're watching really crazy stuff, but I think when the age I saw this movie, like, I was in middle school, like, I feel like 7th or 8th grade when I saw this movie, and the way that the characters um, battle and stuff kind of opened my mind to the idea of um, fight scenes don't have to be real... Uh, uh, real um, realistic that's the word I'm looking for they don't have to be realistic and they can be imaginative and just that sort of romanticism of uh things happening in a romantic or in a uh unrealistic way because it is a fairy tale and because it's uh imaginative i think is really cool and like this movie um besides like the matrix did i'm going <laughs> i'm going a little longer than i meant to but like the matrix yeah for an honorable mention yeah i know <laughs> The Matrix does the same thing, um, but it has, like, a concrete explanation. But I like that this movie doesn't because it just lends more to the imaginative aspect of it. Um, I meant to say that in a lot less words than I just did, so sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, unless you have anything to say about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I don't. It's a, it's, I don't. It's a beautiful film, and it made me look at... Um... It made me look at some other martial arts films in a genre genre sense anyway. Um, yeah. Like, when Hero came out, I was like, ooh, I gotta see this movie, you know, and Crouching Tiger kind of made me think about it in the sense that, ooh, I gotta go see that kind of movie, so. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, where was I? Oh, yeah, okay, so my next honorable mention in the realm of martial arts is uh, Romeo Must Die. Okay, cool. Have you seen this? This is one, I've, I've, uh, I've never seen it the full way through. Okay. I've caught, like, essentially, it's Romeo and essentially it's Romeo and Juliet, um, but it's done in a sense of um, uh, so this is like so Jet Li one of his first big American movies was um, uh, Lethal Weapon Four, and then from there he did a ser- he did a bunch of movies American films, and his first I think this I think this is like his first actual um, American film, um, but it's essentially like he's coming to America to find out why his brother got killed and he gets um, wrapped up in this, like, I don't want to say gang, but this corporate takeover thing where you have two warring families and then you have the, and then you have the girl who's essentially the love interest, but 
they're not really meant to be together. So in the world of Romeo must die, it's more of a Romeo and Juliet kind of a story, but Jet Li's a problem. So, you know, it's just the movie is really, really cool overall. Um, and it's a lot of fun to watch and it holds up too. That's one of the things I really liked about, um, this movie is that it really does hold up and it's, um, one of Aaliyah's only like movie performances before she uh, got killed in that plane crash. So, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Romeo was die. Just a good movie. Check it out. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I have more to say about it than you just did, but yeah. I like this one a lot. I just, I don't know if I've actually sat down and watched it the full way through, but the sure. <laughs> time I've caught parts of it, I've enjoyed it. So, um, um go ahead. Your next, Oh yeah, uh, my next pick is, uh, or next honorable mention is Shadow of the Vampire. We've talked a lot about this movie. Um, I actually didn't even realize it came out in 2000, but this is just a really, it's a really cool, creepy horror movie um, that has like really striking visuals, especially because of uh, Willem Dafoe's uh, performance in it. But uh, Besides that, it just, like, it really kind of brings, like, a new creepy lens to the classic movie uh, Nosferatu, so uh, that's kind of, uh, I guess I could just leave it at that, unless you have more to say. No, that's, we've talked about Shadow of the Vampire a ton. Um, Yeah. So, yes. um, Yeah, no, good movie. Okay. (laughs) Let's move on to uh, the actual top five picks. Um, Again, these are, uh, need to be ranked. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Because this is a year, because that's how we do the, that's how we handle years. Um, I will say that of two, the year two thousand, I saw ninety seven of the movies that came out that year. Okay, um, I um, I think I saw sixty four. Okay, did write it down. Let I've actually when it, when we do the years, I just count because I'm like, how many movies from that year did I actually see? So I saw yeah. ninety seven of them. I can't find where I wrote it down. I believe it was 64, though. <laughs> um, and then uh, the best picture this year was Gladiator. Um, yes. Which I was like, I think it's Gladiator that year. And then as I'm scrolling through, I'm like, oh, it is Gladiator. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, all right. So my first pick um, for the day is Best in Show. Oh, nice. Uh, this is the Christopher Guest uh, mockumentary about... Um, the uh, the dog shows and um, it is wonderful in every way you'd expect it to be. Yeah. So yeah. No, th- this movie is hilarious. Um, I I've I haven't seen all the movies done like in this mockumentary style by this crew, but any ones that I have are just amazing. It's kind of funny that I mentioned this this movie before when we were talking about Tiger King because I could really see this group of actors and. Uh, just the whole production crew from that movie making like an awesome uh, Tiger King mockumentary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely a really good movie. Definitely really hilarious. Um, yeah, I, uh, I know I, th- I saw that this one came out. I don't know. I don't think it made my short list, but I definitely really enjoyed this one. So Yeah, um, all of Christopher Guest's um, mockumentaries are like fantastic. My favorite one is Waiting for Guffman. Um, that's the one where they put on the local community theater play or whatever. It's it's hysterical. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen Waiting for Guffman. Uh, I mean, uh, did he he did uh, this is Spinal Tap, right? Yeah, he did this is Spinal Tap. Um, yeah, but yeah, Waiting for Guffman is my favorite. Um, but yeah, uh, what's your next pick? Okay, so my first actual pick is American Psycho. Um, this movie. I don't know if we've talked about this one before, but this is. Um, 
the movie that's we have talked the about movie. it a little bit but a little bit yeah um it's based off the book american psycho i wish i had written down who wrote it i haven't re- read the book um but i enjoy this movie a lot because it's <laughs> it's kind of really ridiculous and it's super violent and it's really crazy but it's also it's funny like you watch the movie and there's this really weird like sarcastic tone to like everything and by the time you get to the point in the movie where you see are <laughs> you seeing a christian bale like run around like completely naked with a chainsaw <laughs> that's where like i think it's kind of manifested where it's like le- legitimately uh, hilarious but before that there's like a lot of just really subtle like sarcasm to everything yes um, it's and... kind of cool what's that no go ahead uh, it's kind of cool how this movie, like, kind of uh, pokes fun at, like, 80s uh, yuppie culture and stuff like that. But uh, this is a good movie that if you want to watch as, like, a serious watch, you can get a lot of enjoyment of it. But you can also get a lot of enjoyment watching it with a group of friends. Uh, I've watched this one pretty recently with a group of people, and it definitely holds up. Like, everybody in the room was still enjoying it and stuff like that. And then uh, I also would just say, like, since it's based off a book, like, it's obviously well written but some of the uh the ways that they pair the uh the main characters like uh uh, narrations and monologues like the way they pair that with some of the visuals is actually like pretty genius i think like at the beginning of the movie when it's showing uh christian bale's character work out and stuff and the uh, monologue that it's paired with is like it's actually very striking and very cool from a cinematography uh, standpoint. So. It is, and then uh, piggyback on everything you said. It's also a so like uh, not eighties yuppie culture, nineties yuppie culture, but it's um a is big. It, does it take place in the? Is it, it like early nineties or for some um, reason it, I thought it was eighties? I'm I'm pretty sure it's early nineties. Um, okay. But, okay, my bad on that. Yeah, but. no, I'm pretty sure it's early nineties, but the um the the cult the the social commentary on the culture and all that stuff that's one of the things that makes this movie really powerful and the symbolism behind it um it was on one night i was waiting to i was waiting for someone one night it was kind of like hey i'll be over in a minute kind of thing and um the person was taking a little bit longer and it was just on i caught it at the very beginning it was just on showtime or something like that i'm like i'll watch this movie while i'm waiting i haven't seen this in a while I ended up watching the entire film but yeah. it was literally like, God, I forgot how amazing this movie is. Um, American Psycho is fantastic. And it's one of the movies that landed Christian Bale. I know he plays the villain in the movie, but it's one of the movies that landed him the role of Batman. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, for sure. And I don't, know if people, people, I don't know if people know that. It was like that in the movie Equilibrium was really got Nolan's attention for uh, Christian Bale. But American Psycho is fantastic. Uh, and Jared Leto is really good in the movie, too. So... Um, it's definitely worth, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Um, all right. So my next movie is, uh, the whole nine yards. Um, Okay. Nice. This is just a great comedy about, you know, a guy who by default ends up, uh, mobs, uh, a hitman for the mafia, uh, played by Bruce Willis, uh, moves next door to Matthew Perry and they become friends, but Matthew Perry knows who he is and, um, gets roped into all the mafia stuff and it's just hysterical, but they become friends at the same time. Like, it's just goofy how it all plays out. And Matthew Perry, like in his awkward friends kind of Chandler thing, it was just, it was just, there's some really great comedic bits in the movie. And like, I'm sorry, the scene when he runs into the glass door, you see it coming from a mile away, (laughs) but it makes me laugh every single 
time. And like, well, the, that, that, that part was in every trailer. It was in every Not trailer. <laughs> it was in every trailer, but unlike other trailers where you've seen it and then you watch it in the movie and you're like, yeah, I've seen that part already. This is one where it makes you laugh every single time. Um, so, but overall the movie's just fun. Um, and it, on a rewatchability scale, it was just, it's just a really good movie to, um, that I just really enjoy it. So, yeah. Yeah. This is, um, this is one that I remember when it came out, I enjoyed quite a bit, but I, uh, I haven't watched it in a long time. And, uh, you talking about it now makes me want to rewatch it because some of the stuff you mentioned, I actually forgot about. So it's one of those things that I liked the movie a lot and just hearing what you're saying, I can tell it holds up in that sort of, um, like that sort of like really good, like character, like situational comedy, but you know what I mean? I don't mean yeah, like, it's, calm way, but and like, it's got like characters this, get in crazy situations and play off each other and stuff. It's got what a, were you going to say? No, I was just going to say it's got a huge cast too, like for some of these actors that, um, mm-hmm. like, and a huge cast, like on a comedic level, but a huge cast on like a serious level, like it's just a good movie overall. Um, for sure. Yeah. I think um, around that time, like late 90s, early 2000s, there was a couple uh, good movies with Matthew Perry in them too, and I feel like you don't see him in, in a lot of stuff for a long time, but he he had some pretty good movies out there that were pretty funny too. So Yeah. Uh, what's your next pick, Ben? Uh, my next one that we've talked about, I know we've talked about this one before, but it's the movie Snatch. Um, uh, yeah. And this is one that... It, a lot like American Psycho, like, you can watch this on your own and enjoy it just as, like, kind of like this cool movie. And it's, like, has this very intricate, um, this very intricate crime story going on that, because of how intricate it is and all the characters involved and stuff, it gets ridiculous and it gets really funny. But it's also, because of that humor, um, this movie's really good to watch as a group, too, um... This is one that, and just because, like I mentioned, like, it's so intricate, like, if you read the plot for this movie, it gets very convoluted, but because of, like, all the crazy stuff going on, it has a lot of rewatchability, too, like, you can always notice new things in this movie, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just overall a good one, uh, that I always enjoy, so. Um, yeah, no, I, we've talked about Snatch before, it's. I, I don't really don't have anything to add to it, so. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird because you don't like for these lists. I don't like talking about the same movies over and over, but then you also have to be honest about what are your top five favorite movies that year. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, well, so, if it falls in the same category, there's nothing wrong with talking about it again. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. All right. So my next picture um was, and I didn't talk about it before. I didn't mention it before because we didn't match on that number. But is American Psycho. Okay, cool. So, uh, real quick, because we already chatted about it, but American Psycho was my number three for that year. So Nice. So, I'm rolling it back to you. <laughs> so, my number three pick is... Uh, By the way, I expect this to match on one more movie. <laughs> I really do. I uh, just might not be in the same ranking order, so go ahead. It, it might be this next one I'm going to mention, which is High Fidelity. I'm not sure, though. Um, this one I know we've talked a lot about. Well, no, because this is your number three pick, so... Yep, yeah, number three, high fidelity <laughs> for me. Um, uh, but this one I know we've talked about before, and like even more recently I talked a little bit about the show uh, on Hulu, because I actually enjoyed the show quite a bit too. But uh, this is uh, one that I think when I saw the movie, I was in the right place in my life to find uh, John Cusack's character very relatable. But going back to it, I just love the... 
I like the story, but I also really love that sort of record shop, like, music nerd banter that's going through the whole thing. I think the movie's really well written, um, and it's just good all around. It's, I think this one holds up for me. On a, we've been focusing a lot on rewatchability, but I think this one definitely holds up for me in that regard, too. Like, I always enjoy High Fidelity if I ever see it on TV, like I watch it sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, and yeah, we've talked about high fidelity before too. Um, one of the things I want to point out is when you talk about the record store banter, it's no, yeah. di- like, yes, it's record store banter because that's what the story lends itself to be, but it's no different than if you worked at a game store or worked at a comic book store or worked at a bookstore or worked at whatever. Like that's, it's work banter about things that we love and we're nerdly passionate about. And that's, um, and that's what's really interesting about that aspect of the movie is it's fully relatable because everyone's been there. Mm-hmm. And then you have the stuff that happens at work and everything. So it's just that's that's exactly like we all can relate to that, even though even if we're not as knowledgeable as they are about the music stuff, we can all relate to it. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So my second pick for the night is Almost Famous. Um, I assume you've seen this, right? Yeah, yeah, this is okay. a good one. I think you actually gave me this movie for like a birthday gift or something one year. But oh, really? Yeah, this is definitely a great pick. Like, uh, like this this movie, this movie, in my opinion, probably should have been best picture for this year just because of the coming of age, oh. um, historical aspect. I yeah, I, Gladiator was a fantastic movie. Don't get me wrong, um, and it was fantastically act, acted and executed and cinematography and all that stuff. Blah blah blah. Um, this movie is just. The how well it was written and acted and shot and the soundtrack put together because it's about the music business and um, everything that went on within the music business at that time and like it's such a good story in general. Um, yeah. So I don't know if it was nominated. I don't know if it was nominated for best picture. I just think it probably should have been if it wasn't. So. Yeah, this movie has a lot of good moments, too. Like, I remember uh, there's this one part where, uh, because Jason Lee plays, I believe, the singer of the band, but I I know he was in the band. I can't remember if he was the singer or not, but he has, like, this one monologue part where he's going off about the Beatles, and I remember that being, like, really memorable. And, like, there's other part where uh, the whole band's, like, on tour, on the tour bus, and they're singing along to Tiny Dancer, and I remember that being, like, a really powerful moment in the movie as well. Um, yeah, this is just overall a good one, and I think it's a, a movie that everybody at a certain age should probably watch because they'll enjoy it, but I don't hear this movie talked about a lot, like, I know. Uh, nowadays. Like, I feel like it's kind of underrated at this point. I know. I feel like it's a golden gem that's kind of disappeared in Hollywood, which is funny because it's that kind of a good segue for what my pick for the next week will be. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, okay. okay. Uh, you're number two. Okay, my number two pick is the movie X-Men. <laughs> so not too... <laughs> not what I was expecting you to say, so all right. Okay, so not too big of a surprise that a superhero movie gets pretty high up on my list this year, but um, I think the thing about the original X-Men that I think is easy to forget is this is a movie that came out and I don't think I mean it's hard to say but I feel like this movie took superheroes so seriously and I think people forget about that because this how about this this is a movie that took superheroes seriously at a time that no one was taking superheroes seriously absolutely and like nowadays we have we have superhero movies that are really serious superhero movies that are really funny sarcastic ones ones that 
borderline on being horror movies and stuff. And we have such a variety in this one genre nowadays. But back when X-Men came out, like, there was this and Blade, and nothing else took superheroes ser- like this seriously. And I think even though Blade is very serious, I think X-Men has, like, there was a certain weight, like, on this movie with the political stuff going on and sort of the uh, personal difficulties as, like, growing up as a mutant and stuff that's all kind of, like, this big tone that's on the back of the movie. Uh, this one's great just because of, like, this uh, tonal groundbreaking stuff I'm talking about, but it's also, like, there's certain parts of the movie where, like, maybe different character designs and different aspects where they might have missed the mark, but for the most part, it is... Like, I think they did get the spirit of X-Men right in a lot of ways. And, uh, I mean, it's obvious since the movies spawned so many sequels. And, like, this franchise has been going, like, 20 years at this point. Um, yeah. and it, I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Like, I'm kind of all over the place with this. No, we always, we always talk about how you don't get to Endgame without the Tim Burton Batman. Um, and I know that, like, the Richard Donner Superman was of massive importance in there, too. But... Um, Richard Donner Superman was so bright um, that when you got to the Tim Burton Batman, they're like, oh, there is a dark side to these things. And if we blend these two together, we get this. And Endgame becomes the big uh, ending of that when you're just like, wow, like this is what we get because of all this groundwork that was laid. Um, and when you look at X-Men specifically, like I said, it was a world where they didn't, no one took superheroes seriously. And I think that when you look at the Richard Donner Superman and the Tim Burton Batman, you're like, wow, they're the groundwork for what we have today. But it's like you have two eras of groundwork. You have the groundwork where those movies were what they were. And then years later, we get X-Men and Blade. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay, here's some people that went, we got to make more of this stuff. And this is why this will work if we do it this way. And then it paves the way for movies to go. And then someone over at Marvel or whatever and Kevin Feige's like, you know what? If we really take this seriously, because even with X-Men, they were taking it seriously, but they wouldn't like put them in the proper costumes. They had to put them in black leather. Yeah. You know, so um, and then you have people like Kevin Feige are like, you know, what? if we actually put them in the costumes they're wearing, because ultimately people, that's what they want to see. And we take the serious, take the source material seriously and put it out there, you know, and here we are. You know, with 23 Marvel films in this, like, massive, you know, in, in this massive story that it was is a first for cinematic history. So Yeah. Um, you're kind of reminding me, and this is a uh, tangent, and this definitely isn't a good thing about the X-Men franchise, but the one thing that I wanted to see that we never got, we never got this, was just seeing... Hugh Jackman in the classic red and blue Wolverine suit. Like, I wish we could have seen that once, because right. I know, and I know so many other people wanted to see that as well, and I know it was teased at the end even of the Even if it wasn't, Wolverine, even if still, it wasn't the yellow and uh, blue, but the orange and brown would have been cool, too. Yeah, yeah, that's um, for sure. I and the, and they tease that. it in dialogue. They make a joke about it in dialogue, but... <laughs> I think um, there was a post-credit scene in uh, The Wolverine where uh, it shows that, like, Hugh Jackman has that suit in a briefcase. And I think it was the orange and brown one, but you never see him actually wear it, so... Um, I'm, I might have to go look for that bonus scene, because I have the movie. Yeah. Um, and and we, we, even, we even got, like, uh, we even got him in the Weapon X gear, you know, where he's in the Bacta tank, and there's all the stuff, like... Yeah, we, we, yeah, we got all that. Helmet. 
but we never got like we never got that classic suit and it kind of sucks looking back (laughs) (laughs) well we never know what disney's gonna do because they're in charge now so (laughs) you might get you it might not be hugh jackman but you might get your wish um all right so my final pick of the night uh we did match and that is high fidelity um I don't have more to say about it other than that. It's my favorite movie of the year. It's the one I re. It's it's a it's a movie that I rewatch a lot. If it's on TV, I stop flipping channels. It's one that I'm like, man, I haven't watched that in a while, and then I'll throw it in. It's such a good film. Uh, the book is phenomenal too. If you don't want to read, if you want to read the novel, the book is great. It's got. I haven't watched the um, the show, but the movie's great, and the uh, novel is fantastic. They do have a little bit yeah. extra stuff in the novel that didn't. It was I would I would say it's cutting room floor, but. Yeah. Okay. I'm actually kind of curious. Like, I think uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the show because, like I said, I enjoyed it. I think overall I do prefer the movie a little bit more, but uh, the show does a good job of having a little bit of, like, different takes on things that I think is kind of interesting. But the one thing you'll have to keep in mind is, like, like I mentioned before, like, when you're watching, like, the people who work at the record store, it's not the same actors. And the thing is just, like, John Cusack and Jack Black, and I don't know the other guy, but they nailed those roles so well. And there was a little bit of, like, it was hard for me to see those same characters played by different people, and that's, like, something that I'd say just don't let that bother you because I thought the show overall was good besides that. Yeah, right on. All right, man, what's your final pick of the night? Yeah, my final pick of the night is uh, Titan AE. Uh, This this made my shortlist. What's that? Made my shortlist. Yeah, I didn't think this would be my number one pick, but when I was putting it together, um, it was really between this one and X-Men, and I just thought about how, like, anytime I have the chance to watch Titan AE, I'm just excited. And I think um, it kind of came with, like, growing up with this movie as a kid, but then also later on kind of looking more into, like, the people who made some of my favorite animated films and kind of fostering a love for Don Bluth, who's, like, kind of the director behind this movie and a lot of other good movies like Secret of Nim and uh, stuff like that. But I think uh, this one, like, from an animation standpoint, is awesome. Uh, really cool character design and just really cool concepts, which, um, you know, as we venture into the future of this world, some of these concepts seem more and more realistic as we go. Like, are we going to have to go find a new planet to live on and or are we going to have to make one that's <laughs> in the case of this movie but yeah. yeah just really cool stuff from a conceptual standpoint too so yeah yeah Titan A is fantastic um, I really don't know what to say about it until it lands on another category list yeah um, pretty good pretty good soundtrack too really like, good soundtrack um, as far um, as just songs they like kind of like alternative songs they picked at the time to go on the movie it's yeah kind of, not, uh, not not necessarily the score but the soundtrack is fantastic yeah um, absolutely yeah um and it was a real it's really cool animation too because it's like kind of cg but most mostly hand-drawn at the same time it's it's really interesting um, yeah I, th- I think it's like uh the dredge the villains were all cg and then a lot of the spaceship and like some of the background work was cg but then all the characters are hand-drawn and yeah, it's just, yeah, it ended up looking pretty cool. So yeah, visually it looked really great. Um, and I think something about this movie also, like, I feel like seeing this movie and seeing other people's reaction, I feel like it showed that you can make an animated sci-fi movie that like your typical sci-fi fan can take seriously too. And so I think that was really cool how that worked out as well. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, man. You ready for the episode for next week? Yes. All right. So remember how I, you you made a comment about passing movies down to people and all that stuff, and so I was thinking about I was thinking about having conversations with people when you're just like, oh my god, you haven't seen that movie, and you should really <laughs> see that movie and recommendations and stuff. So what I want you to do is when we do this list, you're gonna do. Imagine teaching a film class, and these are the five films that you would show in your class for the purposes of education. Oh, okay. Um, And then your honorable mentions are technically, like, think about it like my class is a semester long, and these are the five films we're going to watch, and these are the five films we're going to discuss, and these are the two honorable mentions that, if we have time, we'll watch them. So I just thought that'd be a really cool thing because there's so many, like, I always have these conversations with people, like, you should really watch this movie because, um, or you should really, and it's not necessarily, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a recommendation, like, I think you'll like the movie, but sometimes it's a, no, you need to watch this movie because of the social commentary and what they're really trying to show you, or you should really look at the, you know, and I just get into that, like, what drove the force of making the film to begin with so i just thought this would be kind of cool if i was teaching a film class what five movies would i show and why would i show them um you know what i show that i'd show this movie because of the technical aspects and the technical achievement it is and that kind of stuff and this is a storytelling movie and this is why you know what would i why would i go about doing it so um you don't okay. have you don't have to have long explanations i just thought this would be a kind of a cool list to put together but it'd actually be kind of a hard list to put together too so this is a this is a cool one. Um, I feel like I might have some picks where it's um, like I'll pick a movie because it was innovative in this one way, but I might not have seen an older movie that did the same thing. So there might be a little bit of that kind of uh, uh, something that I didn't see, but that's that's fine. I think it's a really interesting pick. I'm actually working on a list that's I don't want to say similar to this one, but I thought you were gonna go in a direction that's like really similar to another list that I have in mind, but we'll just wait to find out what that one is. So. I, I, I guess we will. All right, man. Uh, so well, with that being said, that's what we're going to do next week. Uh, what we would, what, what five films would we put in our class if we were teaching a film class? Um, okay. so, um, yeah, so I just basically put it, uh, film for educational purposes is what I'm calling this list, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so that brings us to another episode in the can um, so if you guys would do us a favor, check us out on our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with um, a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there um, or hit us up on our uh, social media. Um, by all, we are on Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Um, hit us up there and uh, subscribe to us because if you subscribe to us, you won't miss a single episode. And you can also leave us a review. We love the five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally at Twitter and uh, Instagram um, at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, And that's where I will be letting people know that it actually hurts every time my tweets come out. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right, man. Um, For the uh, Top 5 Report, uh, I'm Drew, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.